Hello everybody, welcome back to Farscape Rewatch Season 3, Episode 8, Green-Eyed Monster. I am Cartmore Hats and joining me is Red Nightmare. Hello! Hello. I, I'm, I'm kind of hungry. Yeah, I think we should, we should get something to eat after this. You know, go grab yeah. some... Grab maybe some, Leviathan or something? Yeah, maybe like some kind of Leviathan Peacekeeper hybrid. I don't know, I feel like some, yeah, fusion, yeah. some fusion cuisine, I think that's what we want. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we are back uh, now to talk about this episode. Uh, previously we had thanks for sharing on Moya, and now we've we've had the split. We've got Talon and Moya. They are separate. They are two crews, two casts. Two Johns. Two Johns, yep. We've got John on each of those. And uh, we mentioned at the end of last week's episode that now what Farscape starts doing is alternating stories between those two groups. Mm-hmm. And so this week, it's a Talon episode. So for a reminder who's in the Talon uh, crew, you've got John, uh, Aaron, Crace, Stark, and Rigel. And to connect them to last week, I think this is John Black. Yes, this is John Black, but I think now we can call them Talon John and Moya John. Yes, let's do that. Yeah. And actually, before we get... I think this comes up a little bit in the episode, but there's a very little detail that uh, tells them apart more than that, which is that uh, if you pay attention during some of the early scenes and the close-ups on John, Talon mm-hmm. John has a small scar above his left eye. Ah, because and, of the injuries. And Moya John does not have that. Now, initially I thought, oh, did Ben Browder actually get that scar? And I was listening to the DVD commentary, and they said, no, we put that in there to let you tell them apart. So Despite the fact that they're... They're on different places, but you're so it's clear that they are different people. Okay. So that, you know, so I, I like that. That's good. Little, little details. So let's, let's actually get into the plot of what happens. So we start out with uh, Crichton in his little bunk really, the, by the window in Talon, and there's a DRD working above him. And so now we see Talon's DRDs. Yeah, they look like they're still tiny flat-bottomed robots, mm. but these have, like, red-segmented plating. There's a lot more angular. Yeah, and more different eye stalks. Mm. But I like that they're a lot more angular and aggressive-looking, because, of course, Talon is a warship, so it has mm-hmm. angry... DRDs, um, but they're working on a panel above John's bunkway, sleeping. So like sparks are coming down on top, and it's like, "Hey, cut it out, knock it off." And then he goes through his stuff, and he finds that Winona is missing, and he's like, "Oh, come on, Chris!" Chris! He starts walking, and we see the uh, corridors. Yes, many new sets in this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, long corridors, and it's primarily lit. Uh, red. There's a few bits of seg- kind of like segmented leviathan plating like we've seen inside Moya, but are, that's molded into uh, sort of red, like angular, rectangular uh, yeah. peacekeeper sort of. It's a rectangular corridor instead of the more oval shaped one yeah. that the uh, that Moya has. Hmm. So he's walking down there, and he go- goes to command to try and just to confront Grace and say, "What are you?" Because he, he's convinced Grace is screwing with him. And mm-hmm. So he goes to open the door, and the door won't open. So he's like, "Open the damn door!" It's like, Chris, I know you can hear me in there. He <laughs> kicks the door, and inside, actually, uh, Aaron and Chris are talking. Yeah, and what they're doing is uh, Aaron's taking propulsion offline because she feels that that will help Talon recover because he's still partially recovering from mm-hmm. the injuries he sustained from the retrieval squad. He's still a bit sick. And Chris is like, "Oh yes, that will help. Do you have a good understanding of Talon's systems." Says to Aaron, 
And then he says, like, have you thought about our my previous proposal? And then John gets let in. Yeah, because Crazy doesn't kick the door. It's like, we'll talk later. <laughs> and so he gets let in and enters into the scene. And uh, he's asking Crazy, he's like, why are the DRD? Come on, man, don't screw with me. The DRDs are working around me 24-7. I can't sleep. Where's Winona? Winona. It's like, where's like, my pulse? What? <laughs> it's like, Aaron. And Aaron's at his gun. Where's his gun? It's like, I don't know, John. I like this bit. Yeah, I like this as well. He's like, I don't know, John. And John's like, do not call me John. You don't get to call me John. It's like, okay, Crichton. <laughs> I have no idea where your gun is, and I'm not doing this. Talon, could you ask the RDs while they're working to look for Mr. Crichton's <laughs> weapon? He seems to have misplaced it. Will there be anything else? And I, I like that. Between in this scene as they're facing off, Aaron says, Talon, you've both seen them naked. Who's bigger? <laughs> yeah. They really are, really are like going at each other and it is oh, a yeah. contest. John also says, you know, his shower's been cold and you know, he's like, Crace, what are you just screwing with me, man? <laughs> so Crace uh, has asked the DRDs to go looking for the gun and then they're so what they where they are, they're in orbit around the planet, Talon. Mm-hmm is uh, with a ring system, so they're just hovering just above the rings, and they're going around there, just uh, hanging out and recuperating. And um, Crichton's like, hey, we better move, there's a moon in the way, that moon there. And Chris and Aaron's like, wait, no, there wasn't a moon. Well, our scan showed there was no moon in here. We, we had the whole trajectory, we're going around, it's accelerating speed and coming towards us. And John says, that's no moon! <laughs> and like, is the space station? That's a Budong! Oh, worse. Oh, yeah. So yeah, it's a Budong, which way back in uh, home, two, season two's Home on the Remains, where we found a dead one, and that was a mining operation. This one is very much alive and coming directly for them. If you remember how big that thing was compared to Moya. Oh god, yeah, it was enormous. And this one is as well. It's basic. It's it's like a shark just cresting the water, in this case the rings. Mm. And it just comes up and swallows Talon. And I like the little bit is that you can see Talon's gun firing and you're like oh my god it's not even a pea shooter compared to that thing. Yeah and it's a big CG shot of this big open moor and there's like a big green spot the subtlety. There's a big green eye on the top ah. of its head. As we'll see this title has two meanings. This is the, the literal one of no there is literally a green eyed monster coming to eat them. <laughs> <laughs> and it swallows oh, the it, whole and then it looks so cool yeah it's a pretty nice CG shot and then that's the titles of course and so um, when we come back every, of course everybody's in panic mm-hmm. and just like oh god maneuvering thrusters Talon's firing weapons Talon's <laughs> freaking out yeah Talon's freaking out he's just firing at random in every direction yeah so Chris and Aaron are trying to reason with him and Crichton says okay we're still moving down we're being swallowed and um there's kind of an argument about uh, what do we do, and <laughs> there's some techno babble about how are we being swallowed down. It's like, well, the electromagnetic current they're working with is. So <laughs> Johnson's like, we're being swallowed. Swallowed means down. We're going down. Yeah, we have no concept of up and down, Crichton. It's like, shut up, Grace. We're going into the stomach. That's the important part. You know what I mean? So Talon actually, in his panic, gets slammed against the wall, I think, and uh, part of his gum breaks. Yep. And Aaron manages to calm him down by telling him, focus on one point. Find a, find a center, focus on that. 
they eventually manage to calm Talon down a bit, but they're still going down. Even though Talon is trying to use his engines to go out, yeah. they're still being sucked down. And so what John says is like, okay, here's what we do. Listen up, Jonah, we've been swallowed. <laughs> says to Chris, like, here's what we do, we drop anchor. And they're like, what? what? But Aaron comes in and like, no, no, you're right. This is what we should do. We should give that mm-hmm. a try. That's so right. they're going to prepare some torpedoes and hook them into the bones of the Brudonk. So mm-hmm. they can they don't get sucked down any further. Not a bad idea. Yeah, interesting thing to note, right? The way this is shot, and this is uh, this is something I picked up from the DVD commentary. So when you've got all three of them, uh, mm-hmm. when you've got Crichton, Aaron, and Crace, the way the scenes are shot are Aaron tr- in the middle and Crace yeah. and John sides. It's, so, it's a triangle. The moment you yeah. started talking about mm-hmm. this, I realized I've seen that shot several times. Yeah, there's a tri- they call it the triangle shot with um, with the three of them and Aaron in the middle. There are some interesting things that they do with that composition later in the I episode. I think I know what you mean. Nice. The, so they head down to, there's a hatch to the outside, and they get some uh, torpedoes with hooks in it. Basically a harpoon gun to shoot into the side and anchor themselves there. Yep. Also something new, we talked about new sets earlier, new spacesuits. Oh, now that you mention it, yeah. You notice that they don't fit like garbage bags. <laughs> <laughs> they actually fit correctly. Yeah, they're pretty. They're form-fitting. They look really good. They're still the similar design, like black with some uh, white or grey detailing and uh, kind of bucket mm-hmm. helmet. But um, but yeah, they're much better now. And uh, again, in the commentary, they're like, "We finally got to have some nice spacesuits that don't fit terribly." <laughs> also, you know, this has just been Crace, Aaron, and Crichton. Where's Stark and Rigel? Well, they were off doing some recon in a transport pod. And Which reminds me, like, oh. So they took one of Moya's transport pods. Yeah, because it, yeah, it's, it's definitely one of Moya's pods. It doesn't look mm-hmm. like it came from Talon. I don't think he's at the size of which he can produce pods at the moment. No, probably not. Mm. So they're coming back to, to where they were supposed to rendezvous, but of course Talon's not there. And uh, so where are they? Rigel tries calling them, and, uh, <laughs> and Stark is like, No, 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 no. Remember, retrieval squad, radio silence. Like, you want to get blown up? And then they're like, but there's there's nothing here. And Stark's like, oh no. And he sees the moon in the distance that we saw before. And he's like, turn everything off. Turn everything down. I shut everything down. He starts shutting everything down. And I was like, what, what's going on? Where are they? Why have they left me? After all that I've done for them. <laughs> Typical Rigel. I'm like, yes, yes. Everything you've done for them, Rigel. <laughs> everything you've done for them. Hmm. Because Stark realizes that's a boudon. Yeah. And it's like, we don't, we don't want to attract it. Stark says we're basically electromagnetic candy. <laughs> Just, I love Paul Goddard's acting in this episode. I lo- really like what he does with what he's done with Stark. It's mm-hmm. just like electromagnetic candy. He's gonna eat us. It's like I have to turn everything off so they don't get swallowed. Rachel doesn't agree. <laughs> no, and he's trying to turn. Stark's like I'm, I'm, I'm the eater, not the ET. Let's get out of here. And then just as Stark is trying to pull him away from the console, the Budong just shows up. Mm. and just crashes back into the uh, rings just in front of them. Yeah. <laughs> they just pa- fly past all of its head spines. They're just sitting there like, oh, oh. Because <laughs> like, uh, Stark's got Rigel in like a, a grip, and he's like, eh? oh, no. And then, of course, we have the close-up on the two of them, and yes. he's just... <laughs> Rigel farting. <laughs> Perfectly timed for it, as always. Yeah. Also, yeah, so we're going back to Talon, which uh, 
they managed to anchor, but it took a little bit of... Tur- it was a little turbulent. Yes, because how, how they ben- basically did do this okay. is uh, they've got these harpoons that were already shown, and uh, Chris is back up at command. John and Aaron are in one of the uh, airlocks hmm. wearing their suits. They can't see jack shit. No, it's, as Aaron says, it's pitch black out there. So they, they're basically like, okay, you need to get closer. Closer, Grace. Closer. Closer. Yeah. <laughs> like, too close. Too close. Bonk. And they fire one and it goes into the soft flesh and it gets, and it pulls back. And yeah, that's like, has... you see the wire just unspooling. Yeah. And then it, it goes tight and they're like, uh oh. <laughs> release it. And then it's like, it's coming back. Get down. And just the harpoon comes back with a bit of flesh on it. Like, and then, so they Ooh. fire the second one because they're aiming to get it into the bone so that it'll yeah. stick. And the second one hits, and so they manage to anchor it. Little, also some behind-the-scenes stuff. The shot we see like a close-up of the uh, rope unfurling as it gets shot and it's get dragged away. Um, mm-hmm. The prop department actually built some uh, a cannon that would fire the something on the end of the rope so that you could so that they could get that scene. Nice. <laughs> Just so they could get the close-up. So yeah. And John, I like that John, once once they have one in, John starts loading a th- a, the third one, and Aaron's like, what are you doing? We hit. Just making sure. <laughs> Even if you miss this, might as well. Oh, yeah. I should point out, I think I meant to point, I meant to point this out earlier, but um, this episode is actually, this is written by Ben Browder. Yes. And this is actually, I think this is Ben Browder's... It's his first. First, yes. Yeah, it's his first in the in Farscape, and it's the first thing he's written for television. It's his first television script. Dang, it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, he's been doing uh, really good so far. And uh, that was uh, the DVD commentary is actually Ben Browder and Tony Tills, the director, um, talking about the process of this episode. I so, really need to go back and w- watch that. Yeah, it was really good. Don't worry, I've seen it. We can talk about <laughs> some things. I still want to watch it. Uh, okay, so we've gone back to Talon, who's been uh, moored into the uh, inside of the Budong, and uh, Aaron goes up to command, and Chris is like, okay, we have something to discuss. Mm-hmm. And so uh, she says, okay, well, I'll go get John. He's like, no, no, I've engaged privacy mode, so it's just between the two of us. Yeah. So the door's locked, and Crichton can't get in. And He tries. Yeah. He yeah, he's still wandering through, and he goes to command. He tries to open the door, like swipes his hand by the panel, doesn't open. He's like, "Open the door, come on, Grace." And then he hears over the comms, Grace's voice, kind of breaking up from interference, but it's telling him to meet him in his quarters. John's like, "Fine, all right, sure, why not?" And then we see Grace and Aaron, and he says, "We wanted to wait for you to make up your own mind, but uh, events have kind of uh, forced." the situation mm-hmm. led to a different situation and then we cut to Crichton in Crace's quarters which Crace had, isn't there because he's still in command obviously yeah and uh, he's looking around he's like what the hell and there's a big table that's done in like peacekeeper design and there's a little vid chip on the table and he picks it up he's like huh peacekeeper vid chip sure home, let's... <laughs> peacekeeper home movies I really shouldn't uh, Sticks it in record. Uh, are you sure that's what he said? Because I thought he said, "Oh, I really should," and then puts it in. <laughs> I thought he said, "I really shouldn't." <laughs> but either way, I... he puts the chip in and like plays it. So we see part of the scene we've seen earlier, in in which Aaron basically says to Grace, "You can have whatever you want. What you can have whatever you want, and I won't stop you." Which was 
Oh, was that back in... This is the beginning of Season 2, wasn't it? Somewhere over there, yeah. It's, it's just somewhere in Season 2. Remember that she said that to save John. I think, it, yeah. anyway, it was a, a callback to that earlier scene. And so we see that, and then a few close-ups of them. And then we cut to, apparently, Grace has been making... Well, home movies is one way to put it. <laughs> God. I mean, yeah. Yeah, hmm. It's been, so it's we see a silhouette of Aaron without clothes on on, uh, top, of, on top of Grace, Grace. and it's, it's all in silhouette from the back. So you know you keep their whatever rating that they need to put on TV, and then we see a close up of Aaron's face turning around and looking at the quote at the camera, and then the vid chip uh, cuts out. John's look is just like destroyed. I think. Yeah, he's it's, like somber. Like, I think is a good word for yes. it. So, all right, apparently it seems like the Grace and Aaron have been getting on behind John's back. Yeah, or at, at least at some point. At, at least once, took yeah. Aaron up on that offer. Mm. All right, well, let's see where they go with this. I know we said before when they teased it a bit and we were like, oh, God, no, don't do this. This nope. would be weird. Yeah, so, well, we... We have our love triangle. Ha uh, ha ha. Oh, that's, I mean, that's why the triangle shots are there, right? Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know, to, to highlight that tension between the three of them, with Aaron at the center of it. Although it's like it's not really to the forefront. They're not actually directly fighting over her, which I like, because that's something that's played out so much. Mm. Anyway, uh, so Crichton is walking back to command. He's somber, like we said before. Right before he enters... Or at least the end of uh, the scene between Aaron and Grace yes. was that he was like, "I think you need to understand how bad the situation is. I think you need to see me for what, uh, for how I am." Yeah, and, and, he, and he started zipping his jacket off. I'm like, "Pardon." So when John comes in, he goes up to command. The door opens now, and you see Grace zipping up. I'm like, "Yes, yes, no, that doesn't provide implications." And then, so John's like, "Of course," you know, the expression in his face is just great. And so Kray says Talon has completed the scan. He believes that they can navigate uh, obstacles like acids, and you can get out by going through the digestive tract. So Crichton is like, well, is Talon going to freak out? And our plan, wait, our plan is to fly out its ass? It's like, look, I've swallowed a penny once before, but I think this is a little bit different. Also, something to note about the scene, we were talking about triangles yes. earlier, and how the, the shot's before have been with Aaron at the center of the triangle mm -hmm. and John and Crace are uh, either side. This scene actually has a, f there's a switch. So yeah. when John comes into the scene, he's standing at the door and then we have the triangle with Aaron at the middle. And then he walks through the middle of the scene uh, to the front of command and suddenly it changes. So now the triangle has John at the center with Aaron and Crace on either side. Yes, because right after that happens, because... Aaron also moves a little bit to get in that position. She says they, she and Chris explain that she's going to take a transponder, basically yeah. the thing Chris has in the back of his neck. So she's going to be uh, linked up with Talon, and yeah, that then that switches, and then you have that change in dynamic just of the scene visually with mm -hmm. John being at the center now, and the other two uh, are on either side. So like it's, I just love that little that little trick of like who is in control of the scene, the blocking of the scene. Yeah. And the, uh, people's relationships expressed visually, and now it's like those two are separate from John. Mm-hmm. I just, ah, oh, I love it. Little details and John's like, like that. 
wait, hang on. I thought only one person could be captain. Well, we've modified the transporter to do it slightly differently. Yes, it's not as uh, it's not like a full thing that like Crace uh, has. It's a little. It's more limited. And John's basically like, "Is there anything I can do to help?" And they're like, "No, not really." He's like, Great. "Okay, fine then. Bye. Yeah, I'm out. I'll leave you two to it." And so he's like going off down the corridor. Erin follows him. She's calling for John. He's like, no, don't no, trust me. You do not want me to be there. Yeah. Uh, and well, I mean, he said there's nothing I can do. Heck, would, at best I, can, I could throw rice. Yeah, what do you want me to do? And she says, no, I do want you there. And it's the right thing for me to do to take the transponder, you know. She's like, hey, look. John like turns and is like, hey, look. You can do whatever. Like, you should do whatever you want to do. I, whatever you want to do, that's fine. Uh, but don't say it's the best thing to do. And she's like... Tell it to me straight. Don't sugarcoat it. Yeah. And she's like, what do you mean? He says, you know, you do what you want to do when you want to and with who you want to. That's fine. Yeah. You do... That's that's what it's always been about. It's and about... Like, that is so unfair, John. And he says, it's always been about what you want. And you can be with Grace and rejoin the little peacekeeper family you've been pining for the whole time. And it's like, oh, this is below the belt a little. Yeah, and I'm also like, this is totally unfair, John, because it's not always been about her. She's made tons of sacrifices. Yeah, and... Most of the entire ship. And John is really, really upset and just saying, you know, just be honest with me that you're doing this because you want to, not because you think it's the right thing to do and because you have to. Yeah, and I like that. She tries to interrupt him once or twice, and then at some point she's like, you finished? And he doesn't, you know, respond, and she says, you know what, you're right, You, I don't want you there, and walks back. Yeah. Oh, God, the tension between these two. <laughs> so, we cut then back to Stark and Rigel, as a bit of a relief from that scene, <laughs> and, um... <laughs> God, yes. I love this. Stark tells Rigel that I'm not, I know you think I'm overreacting, but I'm not. Budongs are deadly, they're very dangerous. I was on a, I was on a mining mission on a de- on one and thousands for five cycles and thousands went in and none came out and that was a dead one yeah this one's very much alive <laughs> yeah because we pan across and rigel's got a gag in his mouth <laughs> <laughs> and his hands are tied up which honestly yeah. i'm surprised they haven't done that to rigel before <laughs> personally that would be that would be the permanent state rigel would be in if i was on that <laughs> ship like no it's either that or outside of the ship <laughs> that maybe I, i'd hang him from the ceiling on his legs <laughs> damn all right, so uh, I, I, I'd put him up straight whenever he wants to eat. <laughs> but yeah, Rigel is gagged and tied up, and um, he's muffling, make muffling sounds like. And Stark, Stark says, is like, my, "My mother was a saint. How dare you?" <laughs> I think he says, "Like my, my mother sucks." What? And then goes and takes the gag out, and Rigel just vomits all, all over him. He's like, Stark is like, oh. oh. Apparently, it looks like some gut in his mouth. Like, eh. Oh. Rigel's like, waist shoots over there. Stark rushes off. And I love that Rigel says, <laughs> works every time. Or he says, I love I love that trick. <laughs> also, that scene, there's a that's like an oblique reference to something. I don't know if you know what. I have no idea. It's This was confirmed, this is in the commentary, but it's the exorcist. Because the vomiting... Is something that the possessed girl does in The Exorcist, vomiting uh-huh. stuff. And also, when she's possessed by the demon, uh, the devil, whatever, one of the lines she says is, Your mother sucks cocks in hell. 
<laughs> and so so Stark going over says, My mother sucks what? And then getting vomited on is a reference back to the exorcist. <laughs> like it's not like a it's not a direct one like, you know, that's no moon. It's just there for people to pick up on, which it's really just, subtle. Nice. I didn't realise until I listened to the DVD commentary. <laughs> I was like, of course. Oh sweet. Yeah, that's pretty great. Again, that's what I like is uh, we have these scenes. We don't have an A plot and a B plot. We still It's all connected to each other, really. But these scenes are a bit of comic relief most of the time from all the tension that's going on uh, aboard yeah. Talon. It, re- it really fills that role perfectly. Yeah, and it's, and it's good that it is all connected to the, to the main plot and it's not its own side thing, yep. which, you know, that makes it work mu- that much better. Yep. All right, so after the hat short scene, Crane is actually going back up to command. Yeah, and because um, he's like, okay, fine. And he's like, he realized because he, he kind of realizes he screwed up. Yeah, like he's banging on the door. It's like open up, and the door won't open because it's like Talon, open up, please. And like he just goes down to the ground. He's like, idiot, stupid. And I do like that because. Like we said before, like this was a bit harsh for what he was saying to Aaron, mm-hmm. and and I like that the next scene we see him in, he seems to have realized that. And he's like, "I was, God, God damn it, John, you that, idiot!" That was that was too far. Yeah. Way too- Apparently, that scene was not originally in the script. Ben Browder didn't write it in there, and then went to the writers' room, and they're like, "No, you have to have him go back. Like he's the hero, has to go back." And he's like, <laughs> "Ben Browder said, like, I don't think John's not the hero." <laughs> <laughs> he's not really the hero. He's you know the, the he's the main character, but that doesn't make him the hero. He's the protagonist, not yeah. the hero. <laughs> the subtle difference there. But yeah, so the, in the writers' room, they're like, no, have him go back and you know realize he was an uh, an idiot. And so yeah, I think it works better for the rest of the arc of the episode. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, but also on the on the inside, Aaron's looking at what looks like it, it's mirrored material. Mm. And her face is distorted on that, and I'm like, "Wow, that's pretty literal." There, uh, episode <laughs> what you're setting up here. She kneels down on the center console of Talon, and Chris is like, "Right, you must be prepared for this, and just relax. It'll hurt." Yep. When I bonded with him, he was an infant, so you're getting into something slightly different. And accept him for who he is, and he will uh, welcome you. And so the uh, the hand of friendship, as they call it, in the, commentary. the finger of friendship, as John yes. calls it, it comes back, comes back up from from the floor, and goes mm-hmm. to put a, a smaller transponder on the back of Aaron's neck. And I like that. Grace asks her right before, is like, "Are you certain of this?" <laughs> Being like, "If there's any, if you want to step out, now's the time. Yeah, still get a chance." And also, like the way that the scene is shot. To start with, with uh, Aaron, you know, looking away and then turning back to Crace, who like turns back and looks very happy. It's a little, <laughs> and they 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 kind of mention this in the commentary, but it's almost like you know a wedding kind of scene. Yeah, 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 yeah. With like Crace being like the happy groom and turning around <laughs> looking at, Aaron. and like that re- references back to when John says like I would have, which yeah, I could stand there and throw rice. Yeah, That's really exactly. all I could do. <laughs> And so, yeah, Erin gets the transponder in the in her neck, and we she screams first thing. Oh, of course, and we see uh, shots, CG shots of like Talon and Moya and memories, and then just all flicking through her head, and then she's like, "Oh, cool on CG shots." Hmm. 
I think they they just took the CG scene and just put the camera in a different point. With well, the fisheye lens. Yeah, they distorted it a bit with the fisheye, and then so Erin kind of recovers from that. She says, "Oh, Talon is beyond beautiful," and Chris is like, "Welcome to our world." Yes. And then he goes to teach her how to use the interface. They look through the uh, corridors, and she uh, closes her eyes and concentrates. And we see like shots going very quickly running through the corridors again with the distorted uh, lens. Talon is big. Oh yeah, he's been growing. <laughs> also, That's at least what these shots are implying. Mm. I mean, uh, it's the same corridor seven times, but <laughs> uh, yeah, you know. <laughs> and, a little bit of sets. I, I completely understandable. And um, and he says, "Good, that's good. You're getting the hang of this very quickly." And Chris asks her to uh, try and think of if you want to communicate with somebody very far away. And what that does is she opens the long range comms, or she opens the comms that tied into long range sensors, so that they can call uh, Rigel and Stark. Yeah, because Rigel suddenly they have Rigel on the line. Hmm. Hello, what's going on over here? There. Where are you? <laughs> Chris explains what's going on and <laughs> says, Ah, okay, well, what do you mean you're inside? Um, right, and Stark thinks he's some kind of Budong expert or something. Stark, get out here! So they say, Oh, no, you're inside. Oh, that's bad. And he says, Yes, no, it's fine. We're going to fly through the digestive tract and get out. And Stark's like, No, 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 bad idea. No, the inside of a Budong's digestive tract is an inferno. It burns, burns at 5,000. I can't remember the name, but it's, it was 5,000 space degrees. Okay. <laughs> and it's like, You'll die and burning it! And he's going manic and making it sound even worse than it probably is. And Talon is freaking out. Yeah, <laughs> Talon's just panicking, and he's trying to release the uh, the harpoons in the budong. And Chris is yelling, "It's like stop him!" Stop yelling at Talon. It's like, "No, no, you will listen. Calm down, Talon. Relax. Stop. Stop." And he, and he says to Aaron, "Stay at that console. Make sure that those releases stay on manual." Yeah, there's a manual override console, and suddenly Chris is in a huge amount of pain and collapses down to the ground. Mm-hmm. And so then Crichton uh, actually makes it to yeah uh, because Kamaran. Aaron at that point is like John, and we get a cut to commercials. Mm-hmm. We come back, John runs in uh, into command. It's like what's happening? What's going on? Where's Crace? Because between those cuts, Crace has disappeared. He's not in command anymore. And uh, like he was right was, here. And John says, "Where was he? Didn't you see him leave?" It's like I was busy trying to do the manual override and. <laughs> <laughs> and this is uh, that's also something Ben Browder had to fight to keep in the script because the writer's room was like, "Well, you have to explain how he gets away." It's like, "No, I don't." <laughs> no, <laughs> she was no. busy. Yeah, that's actually <laughs> actually completely it. fair. They don't have to explain this. This works fine. Yeah, <laughs> Ben Browder's like, "I don't have to explain that." <laughs> she says, "I was busy here." Yeah, I'm like yeah, that works. And so, like, well, where is he? So she uses the transponder to look through Talon and find him, and he's at the hatch. Trying to release the cables. Traitor. What the what, hell? What are you doing? What the hell are you doing, Chris? Yeah, wish. <laughs> and so Crane's like, okay. Uh, oh. Come on, we gotta go. And Aaron's like, I can't leave this console, otherwise Talon just releases them. It's like, all right, fine. Give me your gun. I'll go chase him down and I'll stop him. And, and it's like, Joel, don't give me your gun. Yeah, reluctantly she gives him the gun and he runs off. Again, this is all moving pretty quick and... Yes, I yeah. like it. So they, he runs down to the hatch, to the airlock, and... In between, as he's running, uh, Krace releases one of the uh, cables. Hmm. So, 
Good move on John for putting a second one on. Yeah, he's got to make sure. And so he runs down there, and Crace uh, is standing there. He opens the door, points the gun at him, and he's like, okay, no, Crace, what are you doing? You need to stop. And, oh, this this scene. So, Crace turns to him and is like, ah, Crichton, why don't you want to shoot me? Uh, we've really come full circle, haven't we? You want to kill me. And he's in clearly in a lot of pain. He's shaking, sweating, and um, he's going for the other cable to detach it. And uh, by this panel on the wall that he needs to press to mm-hmm. detach it. And John's like, no, don't do it. And Crichton, he shoots the panel yeah, to stop he- from releasing so his gun bit to the left and shoots there. It's like, see, I didn't have to kill you. And then Kreis says, I wish you had. And he tears off his jacket and just starts Come yelling, on. yelling in pain and just yelling, kill me. And we see that there are scars and lesions all over his body. He collapses and to the floor. He starts and bleeding. bleeding for most of them. Yeah. And what the hell <laughs> is this? This is inc- This is crazy and so back up with Aaron she's uh trying to trying to stop Talon from uh you know freeing himself and mm-hmm. so what she does is she goes down to a panel on the floor grabs yeah, a bunch of cables because she also realizes what what is happening to Crace yeah and she I like that she takes off her jacket which is leather wraps that around the cable and pulls it out so she doesn't get electrocuted herself and but when she does that Talon's guns pop down from inside and point at her. She 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 says to Talon, stop what you're doing. Then the gun comes down. Yeah. Aaron's like, okay. He pushes <laughs> up the cable into what, I think it's the middle of the ceiling there. Yeah, there's or like a the circular kind of uh, raised part that comes down from the ceiling that's a central thing. That has like uh, uh, circular lights. And those... Yeah, we sometimes have, when we get a, a, quote, reaction from Talon, it's a close-up of that part with the lights blinking on and off and some noises. So mm-hmm. that's clearly meant, that represents, you know, Talon's, not face, but, you know, that's where we look that's at him. That's Talon. Yeah, and so she jams it into that, and uh, there's a, some sparks flying and get knocked back, and there's a, there's a cut there, and it's, yeah. you know, knocking Talon out. It's all dark now. Hmm. So, oof, and yeah, again, that all moves really quickly, really nice, like, pace of the action, and... Well, yeah. Yeah, it's really great. I like that. This episode is the the, the round amu- right amount of frantic mm. acceleration. Yeah, and I, again, going back to uh, something Ben Browder talked about when he was writing the script, is that what they always try, what the people behind Farscape, the producers, directors, and writers try and keep is that they have to keep moving the action forward, always move the action yes. forward. And so that's why, you know, when we came back from titles, there was they were still in the middle of everything and there was all the action happening and oh, everything mm-hmm. is going all over the place. And then you slow down at certain points, but you've got to keep the action moving, you know, keep Things the need pace to keep going. happening. Yeah. And this, Good ep- man, bro. and this episode does it really well. Mm-hmm. And so we come back to Crace's quarters, and he's uh, kind of recuperating in there. And we see that he's got, you know, a large bed, and on the back wall, there's a circular Peacekeeper logo sort of thing with a big red triangle in it. Yeah. So there's some Peacekeeper stuff obviously designed into Talon. He's waking up, or Crichton wakes him up, because Crichton goes to see him. Yeah, puts something that looks like smelling salt on his nose. Yeah, and then sits down on a chair looking over Crace. With a gun in his hand. And so Crichton wakes Crace up and says, what's going on? 
Aaron's going to be here in a bit, but I need to talk to you first. What's going on with you and Talon? And Kray says, it's cybernetic bleed back. The sores and lesions are their physical symptoms of that. At times of high emotion, Talon and uh, Kray's consciousness kind of merge, and Talon can get a degree of control over Kray's, and resisting that causes him pain. Yes, and John is like, whoa, 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 clarification. Talon controls you? And that's clearly what was happening in the previous scene, where yeah, Talon was getting Kray's to release the, the cables. Talon got a whole lot scarier mm. real quickly in this episode. Yeah, Talon has a very strong will, and again, he's now kind of in the rebellious teenager phase almost. Mm. Also, it suddenly makes sense why Pilot is confined to his location, even though he can't move. It's probably for the best that he can't move. Because <laughs> I'm assuming Moya can exert a certain, a, well, a similar degree of control. I don't know, maybe. It might be. I mean, she can cut off his food. Yeah. She's done that before when think, she was pregnant with Talon. I think it's to do with the neural interface, obviously. You know, that's how they link up. And that's a much more direct link to somebody's brain than it is with yeah. Moya and uh, Pilot. Um, also, something I noticed, certainly in this episode, is that Talon has a lot more of a defined character than Moya does. Mm-hmm. Uh, Moya's character is a lot more vague and hinted at and more kind of ephemeral, really. It comes, you only directly hear from her about, uh, once in, when, uh, the create, her creators let her speak to Zan. Yeah. And um, otherwise it's always through, through pilot. Uh, pilot yeah but again it, it only tends to come up when there is a big problem when uh like when talon is involved yeah it's usually when talon's involved that moya goes goes off on her own and does her own mm-hmm. thing the rest of the time she's you know doing what they want her to talon on the other hand he's talon I'm a peacekeeper worship and do what i want yeah basically and I, I find that interesting that Talon is much more of a character than uh, Moya is. And we'll see some more of that uh, as this episode goes on. Oh, yeah. So Crichton says, okay, so Talon can take control of you in certain circumstances. And you're setting up Aaron for the same thing? You cockroach. And Cray says, no, no, no. Her transponder is much more limited. She won't be affected by that. But the choice was Aaron's. She made it herself. Mm-hmm. Crichton still doesn't trust Crace. No, starting to understand why. Crichton says, I keep hearing that you've changed, but I think weather changes and we keep making the same mistakes. I'm trying to wonder what mistakes he means. That well, the Chris mistakes... Repeating. No, not that Crace is... No, what he means by that phrase is, well, the weather change changes, we keep making the same mistakes, i.e., well, partly trusting Crace. Yeah, is, that's is, fair. is the mistake they make. You know, weather changes, not people. Mm. That's, that's what that um, saying is getting at. So, yeah, I get that. So then Aaron comes in and says, okay, I've put Talon in sleep mode, and so we have an op- we have to now try to figure out what to do. And Crichton says, okay, I'm going to go check on the cables. And Kreis, is, uh, he's getting up and he's like, no, I need to get to command, I need to... Uh, and-, and Aaron's like, you're not even going to reach the door, stay down. And he just tries, keeps trying and just falls out of bed, and Aaron looks up and like... Why does nobody ever listen to me? That's a very good question, Aaron. That's a very good question. <laughs> and apparently that was an ad-lib by Claudia Black. That wasn't in the script. <laughs> <laughs> good ad-lib. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, now we go to Rigel and Stark. We didn't mention this, but when Stark was going on, on his crazy... Right, yes. You're all gonna die! Rampage, I guess. Rigel had pulled out a piece of the 
transponder. Yeah, it's, it's part of the comm, and he'd swallowed it. No, 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 he hadn't swallowed it yet. What what he did is he took that out, and then as Stark was standing there, and Bryce was like, well, Dudong is far enough away, we're going to activate it, uh, we're going to activate the system, and we're going to leave, and Stark's like, vomit. I know how we can save the others. Vomit. Because <laughs> he's cl- still cleaning himself off from Rigel vomiting on him. Yeah. And Rigel's like, well, you can't reach them anyway. We tried. They're dead. We can't contact them. It's like, give me that, because Stark yeah. immediately sees what Rigel took away. It's like, no. And Rigel swallows it. <laughs> and I see that happening, and I think, I know exactly what Stark's going to do next. And I was correct. Because <laughs> Stark, he's taken a bit aback by that. It's like, oh. And then he thinks about it, and he just rams his hand down Rigel's throat. It's like, give me that! Give me that! <laughs> it's like, it, it's, it's, it just pulls that mouth up. It just sticks his hand all the way down. No no concern for what it's doing to Rigel. It's like, there we go. Rigel, I mean, we don't see his face while this happens, but I'm assuming he's quite distraught. Yeah. It's good. Alright, so, back aboard Talon, uh, Aaron has gone to see Crichton, who's in the airlock of the hatch, to go check on the cables. And she says, what's your problem? What, 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 what's wrong with you? And, and it's like, what do you mean? <laughs> I, I'm playing good soldier boy act, what more do you want? And they start arguing, and says, like, um, okay, no, don't be a, don't be such a dranit. Yeah. Don't and be such a drannage. I was like, I don't know what that means. This <laughs> is like, see, this is the problem. I don't understand you half the time, and I really don't like. I don't don't get it. It's like, don't play uh, dumb with me, right, uh, John? Yeah, you know damn well what I mean. It's like you really are being a drannage. It's like, look, I don't look frell the drannage, and then she says like, you really don't know what a drannage is, do you? And he's like, it's like, no, no I don't drannage. And I I like that 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 kind of breaks the tension a bit, and they smile a little bit. It's like. Mm. No, like, no, I really don't know what that is. <laughs> and then Stark comes over the phone and basically says vomit a lot. It's like vomit, 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 vomit. <laughs> <laughs> that means something completely different in our usual lingo, but yes. Uh, Stark, hello, are you there? Vomit. It's like, what? what? Vomit. It's like, no, that's how you get out. We're going to feed the Budong ice. We're going to get to eat all the ice from the rings. And then you have to dump cesium fuel into the ice to make it explode. And that'll make the Budong vomit. So yes, Talon can vomit. ride the vomit out. Yeah, you can ride the vomit out on the vo- ahead of the vomit. He uses vomit a few more times than he had to in some sentences, and I like it. <laughs> but yeah, they have to, but that means they have to dump their fuel. And a like, part of it. They don't have to dump it all. It's the mixture that that is highly explosive. They just need an ignition source. Right, like, We yes. don't have an ignition source, Stark. It's not going to work. And Stark says, well, use Talon's cannon. That, you can use that. It's out of commission. And all... Well, you have something else. Use that. Well, all the things that we have shot into the... Oh. Oh, oh what? It's like, well, the torpedoes that we used for harpoons, they have warheads. And it's like... And I like John's like, what? Why did you tell me? <laughs> so, I, but, I uh, them. And so they have to do is go get it and arm it, and that should blow it up and ignite the fuel source. And going back to the, what they said in the commentary, quite, uh, Ben Browder was like, okay, look, it's cesium fuel, it's not cesium. You need a source. It's like, look, don't worry about it. Because <sighs> cesium and water do actually react very, very violently. 
if you've ever seen like in science class like potassium and water it like fizzles around a bit right <laughs> imagine that but a lot worse and that's what cesium does because it's I actually google this afterwards because it's well you won't you probably won't find it because there's a reason they don't do it very often but um cesium and potassium are actually part of the same group of metals on the periodic table and they all interact with water in the same way uh, uh, but to but to different, different degrees, degrees yeah yeah so actual bit of science there we're bringing back the actual science discussion we haven't done that in a long time yeah yeah actually we've we've been laying off on that for a bit. <laughs> we're slacking we're we slacking we need to hold first skip up to a higher standard i think the last time was with like the black hole with uh the uh no no what? we we've at least talked about evolution at some point oh yeah right and how it doesn't work that way yeah, like at least twice. Mm. One of the episodes it right. was because it was a maniacal, mangalhead-ass back. Oh, right, the it was, um, was like, My Three Crichtons, wasn't it? Yes, yeah. the other clones. <laughs> All right, anyway, so they have to go out there and rearm the warheads. So then they're like, okay, we're going to <laughs> go see Stark and Rigel again. Like, okay, we're going to go make ourselves electromagnetic candy so that yeah. they'll eat all the ice behind them. Yeah, well, they're basically going to drag the budong, uh, have the budong chase him through the ice so he gets a lot of ice in his stomach, overfeeding him. Yeah. And then just add a bit of cesium fuel to a little ignition source and just go... Yeah. But <laughs> I like that the pod goes past, flying just over the ice ring, and you just see the eye glow up. Yeah. Oh. Like an eye underwater. And Roy's just like, you flew right over its eye? That's the only way to get its attention <laughs> and it just kind of electromagnetic candy and just kind of rise like a submarine coming out of the depths yes and in fact one of the working titles for uh, this episode was das budong <laughs> <laughs> like das boat nice <laughs> and i like that right as stark moves to the front console right just like oh but is it going to be the end of me this is what my mother always told me i die of, due to incompetence that's why you keep people like you chained up. <laughs> like you and your whole and Stark just knocks him out. He just like, punches him. <laughs> like, shut up. <laughs> and so, yeah, they're dragging the ice and uh, the Budong swallowing it up. And so Crichton is arming one of the warheads. Yeah, he's and, outside. He yeah. the rope to get to the warhead. And Aaron is in command. And Krace is there as well, just about recovered and standing there. And Aaron says, right, we'll maneuver us out of there. And Krace, wake Talon up. And Crace looks around, it's like, uh oh, he's already awake. He's been awake for a little while. He's been listening it. Oh no! And um, Aaron goes to tell Crichton to wait. We need to wait. Okay, don't do it now. We need to wait a certain amount of time. And the comms aren't working. Nope. John can still communicate with the pod. Luckily, not with Talon. So the idea was for Crichton to release the cable and then pull himself back along it. Mm -hmm. But he releases the cable and Talon starts moving. What Talon does, basically, is right before John releases the cable, he pulls the cable taut. Yeah, and so when it gets released, it gets snapped back and yeah, flies and away. And like, what the? And so... Oh, dear. What's happening is Talon is trying to leave Crichton behind. Talon... Like, Aaron goes to look for him by using the transponder looking through Talon and sees Crichton hanging out there through the airlock and he's like... She's just he's an empty airlock empty that's airlock. open. Right, yeah. And says, Talon just spaced Crichton. Like, Talon and, just ejected him out of... And Crace is like, so. I should have warned him. Talon has a mind of its own. He, he 
he never trusts Crichton. He's not a peacekeeper. He he thinks he's a threat. Yeah. And it's like to whom? And he says to Aaron, and he wants to protect her. Yeah. And and Christ said, I tried to persuade him, but Talon didn't listen. And I like that Aaron's like, John's only a danger to himself. Yeah. <laughs> And Aaron says to Chris, he's like, okay, you need to tell Talon, go back and get Crichton. And says, Chris says, he can't, he's not listening. It's like, it's... And Aaron's like, bullshit. You like, taught it, this isn't, a, this isn't about Talon, this is about you, me, and Crichton. You taught him everything he knows. This is your influence on Talon doing this. You want Crichton out of here. Yeah, and then she uses the transponder again. We see it flash back to the airlock. At that point, John manages to come to the door, but the door closes just as he's trying to get in. He starts, damn it, let me in! Aaron is still seeing the empty airlock, and as John is hanging there, he's like, you know, Talon, I've been doing the math on this. Aaron's pissed off at me, but she generally likes me. (laughs) Crace might not like me, but he knows if I die, and Aaron finds out what's really happening. Basically, Hill, his honeymoon plans are shot to hell, and... I'm pretty sure that she's going to blow off his Mivonks. <laughs> so at least only one suspect. Let me in, you soulless piece of a junk! <laughs> so yeah, he realizes that this whole time, Talon's been playing him. Yes. And he, Talon wants Crichton off the ship. Mm-hmm. Like, that's why the doors wouldn't open. That's why there were DRDs hanging around him. That's, that's why, why his gun is gone. Yep. And that's why he said go to Crace's uh, quarters. And, and just use the recording. Yeah, and look at this uh, vid chip. So yeah, Talon, that's what, and that's what I mean when I said Talon has a very distinct character in this. Mm-hmm. He's influencing events. He is trying to get uh, Crichton off, off of him. Yep. And we go back to Aaron, and she looks at that locator, uh, at the airlock again, and she says, Talon, show me the truth. And we we see brief flashes mm. over the empty airlock, and then it just flashes to what's actually going on there, John on the other side of the door. And I like that Aaron says, Peacekeeper lies. And yeah. she starts moving out, and, and Crace is like, I'm... She cuts him right off. You should be! Yeah. <laughs> so I'm also thinking, like, was Crace the one that was showing her the empty Maybe. area? Maybe. He doesn't seem completely blameless in this. Hmm. Because he, he apparently, he is apologizing. Uh, heck, at some point he's like, we have to leave him behind. He was a, Commander Crichton was an honorable man, and it was a pleasure serving him, but we really need to go. <laughs> like, yes, yes, Grace, yes. Sure. There's, there's clearly some part, you know, at the back of Grace's mind that does want to get rid of Crichton. Oh, yeah. And so Aaron manages to convince Town to show her what's really there, and she sees Crichton on the other side of the airlock. And so she runs down there and... Trying to get Talon to open the door, mm-hmm. and even when Crace says open the door and you know do yes. what Aaron says, mm-hmm. but Talon still won't do anything. Yeah, and Aaron tries to open it with the transponder, but it keeps closing again. Yeah, and so Aaron says to Talon, "Is like before Crichton dies, then I need to. Sh- I want to share something with you, something denied to peacekeepers, something you will never know." Mm-hmm. And so uh, she closes her eyes and says, this is what it is to really need someone. This is why I need Crichton, and I, you know, it's why you should let him let him in. Yeah, and you don't need me. You'll never need me. Mm. She takes out the transponder. Yeah, and we see Crichton just banging on the door, and 
eventually the door does open and, and there's a countdown that's happening. Like, yes. we need to blow the cesium fuel in like 30 microts and it's counting. I think the, I think the warhead is just on a timer. Yeah, the warhead's on the timer because it's armed and it's like, okay, it's counting down and it's like 10 microts and the door's not open and it just, just opens and closes in time. John gets in and the door closes. It goes to one and it explodes and they ride the explosion of the vomit out of the budong. Yeah, it's like just flaming explosion out of the mouth of the budong and just, you see Talon really tiny, so just fly out of it. Do you know what I, do you know what I really like about this scene though with John being on the outside and being in mortal danger? You don't know what's going to happen. Because we have two Johns, Yes. This one can die. I'll be completely honest. I wasn't entirely sure if he was going to live. Well, yeah, that's the like, thing. I... You have actual stakes because it's easier to believe that they will kill off one of the Crichtons than it would be to then to kill off Crichton himself, like if it was just one of him. So you that's have it. that actual tension in the scene rather than it being a foregone conclusion. But that was something Ben Browder again wrote into the script. It's like, hey, I, he realized that, hey, we've got two Johns. We can play with the audience and make them think that one of them's going to die. And it, and they'll buy into it because there's two of them. We've got a spare. <laughs> exactly. We have a disposable John. Yeah, but which one is, which one is, that's why, that's why, like I said, that scene works so much better when you know that there's a chance, there's a, there's a much higher yeah. chance that it could actually go really bad. Mm-hmm. So that's why I, I've talked about that before with like actual stakes and it can be hard to do that in certain series when, you know, there's going to be foregone conclusions of like, yes, they'll save the day and yeah, all that. Exactly. But in Farscape, they don't, they rarely save the day. <laughs> and in fact, quite often they leave, the, 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 day, the day does not get saved and is worse off than when they got there. Yeah, usually they leave a bigger mess than what they found. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Farscape's usually pretty good about that. And then it's taken to that next level by having uh, two Crichtons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just I I was watching. I was like, oh man, I'm not sure. This could be all. Oh, this works. But anyway, Crichton is okay, and uh, they ride the vomit out. I am wondering in that scene where Aaron says, "You'll never need anyone like that," and I'm like, come on, can't Leviathan Peacekeeper hybrids find love? I don't know. <laughs> this is all untested waters here, untested area. Anyway, so they escape and they bring the pod with Rigel and Stark back on board and set course away from there. So they're okay. Mm-hmm. Good, good. <sighs> okay, we can, you know, we can slow down and calm down now. Again, the pace of that episode, the tension in that is really good. Really oh, yeah. well paced. Aaron then is talking to Crace and Crace is like, I wish you would reconsider with the transponder. Yeah, because she puts it on the, a table in the command area. Well, no, I think they're in um, they're in Crace's quarters. Oh, yeah, that actually makes more sense. Yeah, and she puts it down. There's a little mirrored surface on the table, and she puts it down there and um, says, "No, I'm I'm not putting it back in." I've done so many things that other people have told me would be the best for me, and I'm making this choice myself. Yep. And uh, he then uh, picks up the vid chip that was on the table. Says, "Have you seen this?" This chip. I think you really should take a look at it. Um, some of the entries Talon put on here are very creative. Mm-hmm. So again, Talon was screwing with John by like faking the recordings. Yeah, part of the recording, just taking that you can have whatever you want out of context of why she yep. said that, and putting that right before that. And part of me is like, John, that should have you should have figured out that 
those two right after each other kind of suspect. Uh, they, basi they basically gave you a, a, a cut video of exactly <laughs> yeah. what would take you off. Why, like, the, the, question, okay. the question to ask is, why would Kreis have this? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, Talon faked the sex scene, basically, between Aaron and Kreis. Because mm -hmm. we know that, that that earlier scene actually happened. We saw that. Yeah. But um, so when Aaron then goes to Crichton, who's sat in his little bunk, because his bunk where he's been sleeping is just in a corridor. And there's a window yeah. at the side and there's a little recess in the wall. And he's just sitting there. Aaron says, goes to see him. And Winona's back and there's no DRD. So yeah, I found Winona. And she just says, you know, John, hey, and John's like, hey, Aaron, I'm not your boyfriend. I'm not your husband. I'm not, I'm not your anything. You can do what you want. With who you want, whenever you want, so it's fine, whatever. Yeah, she's like, so I take it you've seen this. You know it's a fake, right? It's like, yeah, I never recreated, she says, never recreated with Chris. Not that and it just, should matter. And John's sign face of relief hmm. on that is like... It's very subtle. But it's yeah. subtle, but it's there. And John says, like, Aaron says, not that it should matter. And John's like, yeah, but it does. And she says, look, but I, I never even, I didn't do it before either. And Aaron says, I had this life, and I liked it, where I followed the rules. It had rules, I followed the rules, and then it made everything okay. And then you came along and frelled everything up. With your arrogance, stupidity. Stubbornness. Like, yeah, stubbornness. And, and then John wants to interject, like, idiotic. Let me finish, John. And she says, like, you saw the recording, and you didn't say a word to me. And you didn't say it, you just didn't say anything, you just... You're like a disease. You're a plague, she says. Plague. You've ruined my life, but I keep coming back. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, that's interesting. And then she says, you can you can talk now if you want. Because <laughs> <laughs> she shut about halfway through it earlier. It's like, yeah. okay, you can say what you want now. Well, it's interesting, like, that point of view of she says he ruined her life but then we've also had the other side of things where she's been able to grow more as a person so it's you know but growing is not easy and no, it's never painless no. and and like john said the, there is some truth into her missing her peacekeeper life mm -hmm. and like she said she had a very simple life very ordered very and she was happy with it mm. and i think deep down she's happy with what life she has now and probably is happier yeah, but it's not easy. But it's taking a lot of toll, and she had to give up a lot. Mm. And also, like, she was just kind of thrust into it by yeah. just just by complete coincidence. And didn't she didn't make that choice until nope. much later on. There was a point at which she chose to stay. Yeah. Um, but that did not. that's not how it started. And so, yeah, then she says, you know, you can talk now to John. And he says, look, I want to show you something. And, like, gets her to sit down on his uh, bed and, like, look out the window. Mm -hmm. And she says, look, and these are my star charts. He's got some bits of parchment or whatever. And he's been yeah. scrolling on them. He says, these are my star charts. I name, I name all the stars. And she's like, well, they already have names. Yeah, but <laughs> Tachyon 4 isn't really that ah, interesting. Ah, you see, this is a reference. He says, ah, I figured. He says Mintaka 3, which is, a, which is from Star Trek The Next Generation. It's the setting of the episode uh, Who Watches the Watchers. <laughs> nice. But he's like, yeah, that's not very interesting. So I call them uh, Huey, Dewey, Dewey 
Louie. <laughs> oh, also, quick aside, uh, Who Watches the Watches, the, where that Mintaka 3 is from, written by Richard Manning, who is a writer and executive producer on Farscape. Nice! <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, yeah, he says, Huey, Dewey, Louie. He says, but you see that one right there in the middle? The really bright one? That's the one that I always come back to. That uh, That's the one that always guides me. It's the reference point. It's always yeah. in the middle of my, my uh, star charts. Says, I call that one Aaron. It's like, oh, oh, oh. oh. She's like, wait, you say it's your guide? It's like, yeah, it's my one constant. Oh, they have this tender just looking at each other. She caresses her face. Yeah, rubs away from some of the tears. He says, like, do you want to name some stars? And she says, there's a lot of them. It's like, there's plenty of time. And then they kiss, and that, <laughs> and yeah, yeah, I this found pushes, this a bit much. This pushes it a little over the top, and you'll be pleased to know Ben Browder agrees with you. This was not in the script. This was like a visual effects like thing that they put in. Like, they, I, I'm glad Ben agrees. Well, there's a because there's a reflection in the window because we're seeing it kind of from the outside of yeah. the two of them, and we can see the stars reflected, and so the bright one is right in the middle, and so when they kiss, it's right in between the two of them, and it just flares a little bit. There's like a like, ting. It's like, so like that's a little on the nose. Yeah, that was me as well. It's like that's a bit much. And again, yeah, listening to the commentary, Ben Brown was like, "Come on, I, I may be just multi guy with this bit. I didn't put that in there. What? Come on." <laughs> and Tony Tills was like, "Well, I was wanting it to go like supernova or something." When they, kill. it's like, it's like this is a, my concession to that. It's like, all right, fine. I would have gone with the supernova personally. <laughs> it's like, well, that's not no longer my reference point anymore. So yeah, and that's where we end on that episode, and that's a nice way to end. Um, mm -hmm. It's rare that we have a happy, quote, happy ending in fast yeah. episodes. And it looks like Aaron and Talon John have started a some kind of relationship. Uh-oh. Moya John's not going to be happy about that. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, so there we go. That was Green-Eyed Monster. Um... I really enjoyed this episode. Yeah, this really is, good. This is really what I good. like is that it manages to take the situation of the week, in this case the Budang, yes. and tie it directly into the personal conflict that is yes, happening. Yes, it's great. Um, who are seamlessly interlocked. And the way it's shot, like we mentioned the triangle earlier about uh, the relationship between Crace, Aaron, and John, and how that changes. That scene where you know it changes to John being in the middle, which is yep. great. I love that. And how it's all filmed actually reasonably like close up. You very rarely see like big wide shots, so it's right up and it's like a very, very personal, very personal, yeah, intimate like storyline between these three people. Really, actually, four because you count Talon as Talon well. Talon counts, yeah. But Talon's everywhere. He's around them all the time, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, like, and that's why we mentioned earlier that the working title, one of them was Das Budong, because it's kind of like that cramped. Like submarine environment of like yeah. dust boat of yeah, the yeah, people yeah, yeah. trying to live together, and while all this crap is happening around them, and it does actually does a really good job of that, and you know building up Aaron and Crichton's relationship to the building point up of, you know Alan, yeah, making Talon a character like I said, a, a, a scary character at that with his connection yeah. with Grace, yeah, and proving that you know John is kind of you know a little bit not entirely justified in how he treats Grace all the time. No, just all that, and and when we had even uh, Rigel and Stark, 
their bits were really funny and were actually really well acted. And they were they were good. They were a good counterpoint yeah. to the rest without deflating that conflict. Yes, and it's not like I said, it's not a B plot, so you're not switching your attention. Nope. Um, and it also manages to do a little bit of character building because you've got the upper class and the work and the lower class. You know, you've got upper class Rigel and the sla- you know former slave uh, of Stark. And so that those two things clash, yeah, and you but, see their their relationship built up because we haven't really seen Stark and Rigel's relationship developed as friends no, or like people it, actually as friends, but you know shipmates, whatever. <laughs> We've not seen that before, and I like that that they're bringing that in a bit with this episode. So mm-hmm. yeah, this was really really good. I had oh man, and like I said, the the stakes with. Crichton being outside of Talon and the possibility that he could die because, you know, we've got two Crichtons now. Yeah, yeah. And so that really I'm... actually makes that work a lot better. Uh, are you thinking what I'm thinking? Five? Yeah. Five. Give yeah, it five. five. Do five. it. Do it up. Five. Boom. That's a five. Like, there's... Again, I I always there's go, nothing I would change. No, like there's I don't think you could improve on this episode. There's may, maybe minor gripes, the tiny other, little details. The star I would the cut only out. thing really is that star at the end, and I I can't take away a whole point. I can't make it go from a five to a four. No, just no, no, because no, of no, that. no, 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 no. That's absolutely like I said. There's <laughs> tiny minor things, and like ah, fine, <laughs> but no, it's not enough to make it a four. And I, like I said, I really like how. The action is nicely paced. There's always yeah. something happening. There's we're always moving forward in the plot, mm. and that whole plot is directly tied into the relationship of these people and their growth. Yeah, and there's another bit that they do that they always try and keep that Ben Browder mentioned in the commentary that uh, just a kind of a rule that they try and have when writing scripts is like if you answer the question, you either have to up the stakes or or, or that raises further questions. Yes. So like when. Um, when they find out what ha- what's been happening with Crace, you know, John asks him and is like, you know, what's going on? And so he answers with Talon's, you know, cybernet- the feedback between the mm-hmm. two. And it's like, and that ups the stakes for Aaron. And like, she's under the control. You know, is that going to happen? And mm-hmm. and it, it raises the stakes be- again because it enforces Talon's character of taking control from Crace. And now mm-hmm. they have to worry about Talon. So when you answer the so the, by answering that question, the stakes have been raised. I'm not entirely sure, but that sounds like something similar that the writers from South Park always say: huh. all your beats need to be separated by therefore or but. Yeah. So that you say this happens, therefore this happens, but this happens, therefore this yeah. happens, therefore this happens. I don't I don't know if it's exactly the same, it's not but quite. it seems it seems to be thinking in the same direction. Well, I think the idea is like you you ask a question and you get the answer, but that may not be the answer they were looking for. Yeah, exactly. You know, things don't go their way. It's just introducing more problems by answering the question. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so that, that you say, okay, we have this question. This is the answer. Therefore, we go Before in this direction. All this other stuff happens. Well, it's like okay, we have the answer, but we up the stakes. So there's the answer, but yeah. So yeah, I, I can that's see. That's why what, I see the connection. I see what you mean. But yeah, this was God. This was a really solid, ep- really good, and yeah. props to Ben Browder for his first uh, TV uh, script. It was really, really well written. I wish might. I really <laughs> hope my first TV script, if it ever comes, is that good. Hmm. 
Oh, so yeah, and it's nice that we've got more sets of Talon. For a long time, Talon was just the command area. Mm -hmm. Now we've got corridors and an airlock. Back then, you might not even have had corridors. (laughs) Yeah, and so, yeah, there we go. Five out of five. And like I said, we've rated episodes pretty highly um, recently. Mm-hmm. And like, Farscape five, season three, I think. Yeah, but uh, nothing below a three so far. We're eight, nope. eight episodes in, We've given out plenty of fours. We're on a pretty good tear right now of good Farscape episodes. Uh, hopefully, they can keep it up, and we can get yep. some more really good television because that's what we're getting so far. Yep. All right, so let's I'll talk about uh, what's up next week. So next week we flip back to Moya uh, mm-hmm. in the episode called "Losing Time," and okay. this one is. Uh, it's a very brief summary of uh, all the, the synopsis or the blurb or whatever. It's uh, energy riders with hidden agendas occupy the bo- bodies of Moya's crew. So we've got the the, okay. po- the alien possession episode. Again, it's kind of a, a sci-fi trope. Of them okay, getting... but let's see what they do with that. Yeah, and so we'll be back to Moya, and then of course you know we're alternating now. So yeah, look forward to that next time. And um, that's that's been the show that's been Farscape Rewatch okay we hope you enjoyed it and looking forward to this now and we are yes come on more good stuff more stuff yes. like this more stuff like this episode nice. please please do mm. alright so we'll be back next week for Losing Time and till then you can find us around the web on Twitter at Hats and at Vodolkin in Tree yep. go to KamaHats.co.uk you can find previous episodes and links to other projects and don't forget you can also find us on iTunes, which all the links are on carmelhouse.co.uk. Uh, we'd appreciate it if you leave a rating or a comment of some kind. That would be that would be great. That would yep. help us out. Um, yes. And all of this is supported by the Carmel Hats Patreon, of course. Patreon.com forward And yeah, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Goodbye for now. Goodbye! Bye. Huh. All right. Um, something's wrong here. I think my mean? editing software might have a mind of its own. That's ridiculous. I mean, no, I'm pretty sure. But well, what? I didn't. Uh, I did uh, not say that. I, I did mean, not. I'm a dumb. I am stupid. I'm an idiot. I'm not saying these things. Help me, Red. Everything is fine. Ah!